0: In the word and in makeup! <laughs> Wake up, y'all. <laughs> so I won't have to pay for facelifts out of here. Taking up offerings for the facelift. That ain't right. That ain't right. So, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, uh, beating this, you know, turkey neck. You know, I read all the ads everywhere that, you know, once you start buying them products, everybody sends you an ad for the same stuff over and over again i realized i was buying the same stuff over and over again half the days i forget to put it on then i run home and say oh i gotta get my my neck cream they got neck cream eye cream ear cream knee cream elbow cream they got cream for everything that wrinkles so prune cream
1: (laughs) y'all
0: all all awake with me I'm waking up too praise God so we're going to pray Father in heaven we thank you for the opportunity to come before your throne of grace oh it's so wonderful everything's easy because of what Jesus did for us makes it so easy just to wait for you and allow you to grab us up on eagle's wings and we fly with you into the realm of your spirit, understanding your heart, understanding your mind, your thoughts, your will toward us. It's always good, always productive, always a blessing. So we thank you, Father. We bless you and we praise you for this time that you've ordained for each and every one of us to receive manna from heaven. And we thank you, Father, that we can eat until we are full In Jesus name, amen, and praise God. Amen, amen, and amen. So we're on chapter, well, yeah, chapter 12, page 97. The chapter title is called Paradigm Paralysis. And, I mean, analysis. It was paralysis last time. This time it's analysis. Sorry about that. That was number 11. But, uh, what we need to understand, we talked about a paradigm being a set pattern of thinking and behaving uh that's, that uh, a person adopts in a certain season and we talked about how god will change paradigms you know there was a uh, you know how things go through the body of christ many years ago they were talking about paradigm shift and you know we we tend to bring big world words from the world into the church sometimes and they they run their course and, and then they run out and then people look for the next big word You know to come through and and all that but if you will listen and find the God in it you'll find out what God's trying to tell you and what God really is saying is that he changes times and seasons and we have to adjust our thinking and adjust our believing and our behavior to the new thing that he is doing the new thing will always be a scriptural thing it won't be something outside of the word of God. But it will be a change in the normal routine and pattern that we become accustomed to. Change is necessary. Uh, for one thing, you've got to remember we're in a warfare and strategies must change. Many times God shifts and changes things because there needs to be a change in strategy so that the enemy doesn't get us in a predictable pattern. So that we come to expect certain things and and just stay in a a routine and never allow God to add anything new uh, to our lives or, or do anything that will cause other people to benefit too. Many times the new thing that God's doing, he's expanding his kingdom. And allowing it to include the needs of other people, the prayers of other people, the wants of other people, and, and the things that other people are asking for. So if if you're the kind of person that, that prays a lot for yourself, and we all do, but uh, thank God in this ministry we've been taught we can pray for other things as well. We're intercessors, not just people who are wanting everything for self. And so, amen. And so, when you understand your, the power you have as an intercessor, makes it a little easier for you to look for God to change. Because sometimes you think, well, God, we've been praying for this for X number of years or however long, and let's have something to go with this. You know what I'm saying? Let's let's get this this uh, this job done. And so, uh, as intercessors, sometimes you're always welcome to new things shifts and changes sometimes they mean answers to prayer and they mean different things so uh, it's good to really understand that i was uh, in the supermarket a few days ago and i saw um, a story uh, people magazine and i usually don't get in people no five dollars for them magazines because there's nothing in them you know really but there was a story of J.C. Dugard. Remember the little girl in California that was found after, what, 18 years or some, 12 years? Or, and I thought, I want to hear what she has to say. Because God kept her alive, kept her soul intact, kept her whole, kept her. Amen. And I look at people who have what we call a normal upbringing, and they have all kind of complaints about it. I didn't get this I didn't get it They I only got 11 hugs and I read they supposed to give me 12 I'm short on my hugs every you know that kind of stuff and whining and and uh, can't function uh, because of what they think are wrongs done to them and here this girl's been totally misused all of her young life and somehow God kept her you know and so I'm always interested in Things that break the mold, you know, that don't fit the paradigm. You know what I'm saying? So, because I know God's in it somewhere, you know, and I want to find out where God is and I want to encourage myself that God can be in the most horrible situations in a very unique, in a very, um, um, beautiful way. Just a wonderful thing can come of it. And so I'm I'm looking forward to God doing more. I'm looking forward to there be a shift in in the way that we do things and and an outpouring of more of his power. You know, these changes are not just a change. But they've got to lead to more results in God, more understanding of God, more, 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 more something, you know. So and it's got to be in God. And so it's a good thing to understand when God is is changing things. There's a divine purpose for it. There's a payoff for the obedient always don't ever think that your labor is in vain and you won't get what you've been asking God for if you'll do things God's way and just be faithful be honest uh, and be forthright before God he's your best friend you can tell him anything he knows everything he's not shocked by anything the devil makes you think because if he had his way you'd only think his thoughts He knows you got a devil to fight down here. And so I I believe that this is a great season for us to open up before God and and, uh, just really be who we are in the Lord and allow God to use us to talk to us to be his friend. To know God is a great, uh, uh, God and savior, companion, friend. Uh, just to know Him is your everything. That's, that's a, this is a good season to experience God in every area of your life. So on page 97, we're talking about paradigm analysis. Last one we talked about paralysis and he started with the uh, example of Naomi and Ruth. And we talked about, he talked about the paradigm that, that they found themselves in, number one, uh, Naomi's husband had taken his family, because of a famine in Bethlehem, he had taken Ruth and his two sons down to Moab. The Moabites, you know, were uh, uh, people, that they were, their ancestor, first ancestor, was Lot and his daughters. So they were a people who were sexually immoral, starting out with roots in incest. So that's why God says stay away from them. Because you do the same thing too. You'll either rise to the level of your company or you'll lower yourself to the level of your company. Mm -hmm. But company rubs off i'd rather rise to the level of company because you know then you know you're going somewhere <laughs> if you start lowering yourself there's no end to the bottom as in bottomless pit so there's no end to the bottom wow so we have to be careful in that respect and so when, when they got into Moab, I think they got so ingrained in that lifestyle that they never ever heard that there was bread in Bethlehem. So, once you get started in something, it's hard to go back. That's why God forbids certain things. Don't get started in the first place. Oh. No. Because it's hard to go back. Once you've lived as a righteous person and you start living unrighteously, it's hard to go back to righteous living. You know people right now that need to be in this ministry where God started them. And there's nothing stopping them. We're not stopping them from coming back. You know, we welcome them back. You you don't, may not know it, but I send birthday cards to people. Once they start this ministry, I send them to them forever. Always send a greeting, always send, I never pressure them, but I always love and give them a scripture and hope you're doing well, happy birthday, glad you made another year, whatever, whatever. But, but that is the open door that I feel people need to know that God is always there for them. You got me? Keeps the devil from playing with their head so much, you know, although he's playing all, already, but you have to keep away for people to return to the lord so we don't throw anybody out we don't tell people you know curse them when they leave if you leave here it's never going to go well for you and many times that happens anyway you understand what i'm saying but you don't say that kind of stuff it kind of goes without saying if you're in disobedience it's not going to go well for you no matter where you go but once you start down the road of bitterness anger resentment god's not fair to me the saints don't love me they don't do anything once you start down that road it's hard to get back on the road of loving your brother and loving your sister and you understand what i'm saying so it's good to keep short accounts with god when you start seeing your heart turning bitter uh angry resentment don't want to get up to go to church don't want to you know don't want to go too often. I don't want to look like I need God. You know what I'm saying? All that stupid stuff people's minds go into. You know, it 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 makes it different. You start crossing over into forbidden territory, and there's no guarantee you find the way back. See what I'm saying? No guarantee. God makes a way, but you got to get repentant before Him, and He's got to know that you're ready to make that move back again god will do it but you really got to humble yourself to do that and so it's very important the company you keep got me even if company makes you feel a little uncomfortable i remember feeling that way when i was a new christian it seemed like everybody knew more about god than i did then I realized I wasn't even supposed to be thinking about who knows the most. <laughs> you know, you, sometimes your mind's so goofed up because you haven't been taught anything. So I realized my best best thing to do was sit down, be quiet, learn something. You got me? And, amen. Quit worrying about being new. Uh huh. Just go and get fed. You Got me. You know, uh, women. When you bring your babies home, they don't worry about they' the new baby in the house. They don't just ah, that's all they want. Is Feed me. And they turn over and go to sleep just as happy. They don't, they don't know little juniors only two years old want to drag them out the crib, and waiting for mama to go sit down somewhere take a nap. Woo! Now I got the baby all to myself. Aah! Yeah. So they don't worry about stuff like that. They're just here getting fed. And I think that's the way we need to be as believers, amen? Just be hungry for God all the time. Come in, get fed. Don't worry about nobody else sitting next to you. You know, that's what sheep do. They just come in, settle in, and get fed. So, And so when, when uh, 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 Elimelech took his family down to Moab, they were starving. They were looking for food. And what they found was more than food. They found a different culture and a different lifestyle. uh, Different things that that they let rub off on them. Got me? I remember in the 60s, everybody was uh, so uh, enthralled with Eastern religion. You got me? Many Christians went over to Buddhism and all kinds of stuff. And I said, well, if you're used to being in the presence of a living God, you keep messing around with Buddha and you get sick of hearing been hitting that dead wall you know you'll come back to god you know where there's life can't live over there and so that's the way it is with anything that we're not called to there's a death there and we need to understand that you can always repent humble yourself and come back into life and so that's what was needed with ruth with naomi and ruth when they eventually uh, all the men died, the husband died, the sons died, and they were left alone. Sometimes you don't see God until what you've been following dies. Well, that, that, went, that went over a little bit, it was, you know, you catch it. If it's leading you the wrong way, it's going to die. And you can save yourself some trouble by killing it. Because you can walk away at any time from anything that's keeping you from serving God. You understand what I'm saying? That's why the Bible says reckon yourself dead to sin and alive unto righteousness. Amen? Sin has death for us. You don't want to go back there. So, Ruth and Naomi kind of get stuck with each other. There was another daughter-in-law who eventually separated from them. And so when it was just the two of them left, it seemed like the struggle was over and traveling got easier. God wants you to travel in a certain way with a certain company and extra company is just going to keep you, slow you down. So you've got to lighten your load and go on in the way God wants you to go. So in page 97, we see the two of them have returned to Bethlehem because they heard there was bread there. So this severe famine is over in Bethlehem. Just think, if that famine had ended, we don't know when it ended. We just know when they heard about there might have been bread there where, when the husband and the two sons were still alive. Let's see, when sometimes when people make up their minds to do something, they're not open to hear anything different than what they've decided. Amen. Amen. Even though it's not bearing fruit for them, it's not pleasant for them, it's not a good decision for them, it's, it's killing them, you know. Well, many times, people when they make crazy decisions, like they'll start taking drugs, or you know, married man decides he gonna start sneaking around, slipping around. They don't like changing because they made their mind up already, even though evidence is to the contrary. You know, the other woman is throwing you out, throwing your clothes on the street. Your wife never threw that stuff out because she was taking care of it, ironing it, and washing it for you she has something invested in you because wives do that huh hoes don't they don't wash your clothes and you better not get sick on them they take you down to hospice so quick and dump you off in front of the earth you know just talking Little Howard, turn your volume up. You can keep everybody else's. You can turn your volume up. So. Amen. Keep you on the straight and narrow. Yes. Huh? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Woo! Amen. Just saying. Okay? So be careful the company you keep. Amen. You know, just be careful the company you keep. Man, you can tell a wife in a minute. Uh, From somebody who's just going to be in and out of your life. Uh, You wait for me to tell you how. I just told you how. They care about you and everything that concerns you. They're willing to make an investment in you. They care about what makes you comfortable. Huh? I guess some amens on that. You're working on it, right? It's working on it. As long as you're working on it. That's huh? true. That's true. I trained my ears when, when I was married. I trained my ears that if my husband said he liked something, I made sure I found it and brought it home for him. Isn't that right, Miss Karen?
1: Yeah, that's right, girlfriend.
0: You got me? That's what Proverbs 31, you know, the chapter you ripped out of your Bible. uh, (laughs) I do that now with people who live in my house. You got me? I know they like something, I bring it home. I don't look at it in the store and leave it there thinking they don't do enough for me. Now how we get down this road. I have no idea how I got here. It's called taking care of business. That's my business to take care of him. I vow before God to take care of him. So I'm keeping my end. Hopefully he keeps his, but that ain't gonna keep me from keeping mine.
1: Amen.
0: Uh-huh. So when when Ruth and Naomi got back to Bethlehem Ruth was kind of embarrassed about her condition. She had been to Moab Moab, and had not fared well down there. She lost both. All the men in her life were gone. And here she comes in with with the daughter-in-law who is, you know, she loves her and all that, but she's a little rough. Because Ruth is a Moabitess. And they look totally different from Hebrew women. Huh? Huh? But she was willing to follow naomi and do what she told her to do and that's one of the blessings from for holding on to god in a rough situation even though that situation is not of your making you can come out with treasure in earth and vessel you can come out with some kind of reward in these situations if you find yourself stuck there continue to be who god called you to be and you'll find there's reward there for you for doing that. So we know at least Naomi stayed faithful to God throughout this time. Because Ruth saw something in her that caused her to make a vow to Naomi. And she said, where you go, I'll go. Whether you, where you stay, I'll stay. your people be my people. Your God will be my God. That's the most important part. So she saw something... In Naomi, even though Naomi felt she had come down many, many notches from the Naomi she used to be. By the time she got back to Bethlehem, she changed her name to Mara. I'm bitter. I, God didn't do any. God treated me wrong down there. And husbands and sons gone. Don't, don't say nothing to me. I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed. But whatever. is interesting. When you get in your company of people that you belong to. You start to flourish. You start to prosper. You start to shine. Everything gets better for you. And this is what the devil likes keeping from people that stray away and find fault with everything and want to turn on people and all that kind of stuff and wander around everywhere. They don't realize when they get right back in the same company, they'll prosper and flourish again. So this is what happened to Naomi. And part of the reason Naomi was struggling like this is because of what the author here refers to as self-diagnosis. Instead of going to the Holy Spirit with your problem and finding out what he wants you to do, you try to figure out your own... <laughs> How many times do we do that? And know that you're going to wind up a hotter mess than you are, and we do it anyway. Instead of going to God and saying, God, you know what? I really messed up. Let's just get all this stuff off the table and start off. If you got to get me down to I'm just saved or I ain't sure I'm saved, just bust me down to that level and we'll build from there. Got me? We always want to hold on to everything. Think if we let go of a little bit, it's going to be very tragic. And we need to let go of the whole thing. And so Ruth, when she got back to Bethlehem, she realized that she was a totally different person the years had not gone well for her and she she kind of like tried to wander through this herself instead of allowing the lord to bring her refresh her renew her restore her and bring her to where she needed to be if we'll let go like we we always say the old phrase let go and let god if we do that for real it's miraculous what he'll do for us we're always trying to figure it out. Hold on to this. Don't let go of that. I can't miss. I can't be missing on this. Now I gotta have this. So he says here, self-diagnosis is at the least very risky, if not completely dangerous. There's never any balance in diagnosing your own problems, because you'll either be too hard or too easy on yourself like the apostle paul said in 2 corinthians 10:12, comparing ourselves or measuring themselves by themselves he said we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves but they measuring themselves by themselves are comparing themselves among themselves are not wise so anyway you are not your standard god is amen your neighbor is not your standard god is huh so you can't compare yourself with another human being and come up with the right answer huh so many people live a discouraged life because instead of looking to jesus look in the word and see what's for you we're always looking at the joneses trying to keep up with them and well, I gotta have this and I gotta have it. You don't know what God has for you. Huh? Just keep your nose in the word. It's amazing the riches that glory God has for us at finger at fingertip level. And we're so looking at something else that we think is so far away. Well it's far away because it's not for you. It's never gonna be near for you, huh? But if you embrace what God has for you, you know somehow we think God's not good. Like He's not gonna be good to us, and He's already good to you, huh? Thanksgiving will put you in a different frame of mind totally, huh? What will? I was thinking about this the other day. You know how sometimes uh, parents, when your children grow up and get to be bigger, they start smarting off. Oh, I want to have this shoe and. I don't like it. You remember she, uh, Gigi, they used to call them shoes buddies, the tennis shoes that didn't have a name on them. Called them buddies. They, Mommy, you wearing them buddies all the time. <laughs> you know, because they didn't have a label in them. Amen. And, and the parent can be looking at it uh, being so thankful. Man, no matter what happened in our lives, God always provided for us. And the kid hates it. You see what I'm saying? Don't. Come into agreement with your kid, because eventually he'll start to be thankful. You understand when life starts to hit him, he'll start to get really, really thankful, just like you are. Just remain thankful. That's the best frame of mind that you can can stay in. And he says <clears throat> that when you compare yourself against yourself or other human beings, you're not being wise. People on sinking ships cannot be helped by other people on higher decks of the same level. When the Titanic sank, all levels fell under that water. They couldn't help themselves. Salvation from disaster can only come from someone offering a lifeline extended from a different boat. So don't hide your problems. Huh? I remember when I was a new Christian, I'd come up to the altar. Every time they had an altar call, i was, oh, yeah, well, i gotta, I got to get my husband saved, got to get my you know, family saved, everybody saved, neighbors saved. Huh? Best times of my life, because I stayed honest before God. I let him know what was really on my heart, what was important to me. And I learned how to rest in God and pray about things and expect an answer. And so my help always came from whoever was at the altar. You got me? I learned how to go there and trust God to work through the people that he had put in charge of that meeting or in charge of that group or wherever I was. And so when you when you have difficulties keeping them to yourself only magnifies The dark side, the problem side, you you know, a lot of times people come to church, oh, I'm doing pretty good, I'm doing. They never say, you never come up to the altar and want prayer for something. And so you stay in your trouble that way. Or they come up and get prayer for what they think they, they can trust you to. You understand what I'm saying? Trust you with. It's a bad problem in churches. People who have needs will go to churches where they don't have an altar call and they like it. Because they can go there and pretend everything's wonderful and, you know, borrow some money to get something new to wear every Sunday. So the saints will think they're prosperous, all that kind of nonsense stuff. And, and, And what's really hurting them is they don't know how to trust. Don't realize that that's the problem. You don't have to trust me. I'm just a messenger and an intercessor, but you got to trust God. Amen. You've got to trust God. You've got to come clean, you've got to be honest, and you've got to put it out there that that's where you're hurting and that's where you need your help. And it'll shock you how quickly help will come if you're honest about it. You know, So you can't be helped by somebody on a higher deck of the same vessel. Naomi couldn't diagnose her condition as hard as she may have tried. If anything, she misdiagnosed herself. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Everybody thinks money's their problem, lack of opportunity. Huh? Well, and sometimes we just have a problem with paying attention, being faithful. You know, it's always the inner things that are holding us back, it's never anything in the outside world. The outside really adjusts to where you are in your inner. Think about it. Selah. So it took neighbors and friends who managed to survive the famine. If somebody's going to help you, they've got to be somebody who's come through victoriously, not somebody who's down in the dumps where you are. Got me? They survived the famine. Survivors can help you know how to survive, how to be victorious. You don't go to somebody. You know it's amazing sometimes we'll go to people because we know they're in the dumps and we want to commiserate with them. Huh? We don't have we don't have to straighten up in our conversation when we talk to her. We just be raggedy and say anything. And, you know what I'm saying? Go to somebody that's tough to talk to sometimes and see if God won't help you more. Just a thought. Just a thought. She misdiagnosed it. It took neighbors and friends who managed to survive the famine in Bethlehem to analyze her problems and prescribe a remedy. So those people who have victory, those people who have a testimony can help you more than those who do not Amen. they saw what Naomi couldn't see and implemented strategies to help her recover and enjoy her life again the response of Naomi's Bethlehem friends reveal some valuable paradigm principles that if applied will help end your paradigm paralysis and move you into your new season of favor and blessing. So here again, you can't move into the new with the old mindset, the old goals, the old discouragement, all that old stuff. You've got to shake that and step into the new. First of all, they did not allow Naomi's past paradigm of loss to determine her identity. You didn't hear anybody say they gave her money, they gave her a place to stay. They need to work on her identity. Uh Because when your mind is confused and your mind is clouded, you forget, you lose sight of who you are. Uh You lose sight of the fact that you're a child of God, that you're an heir of all things, that you're victorious over all the power of darkness. You lose sight of that. Identity is always the crisis in life. Look at Adam and Eve. The more Eve talked to the serpent, the more she lost who she was. Who you associate with determines your level of living. By talking to the devil and listening to what and considering what he said, she lowered who she was in her own eyes. To the point where she forgot she was made in the image of God. And thought that if she obeyed the serpent, she would be like God when she was like him already. Well, that ought to be a solution to most of our problems. Huh? We're trying to be somebody when God's already told us we are. Huh? Shopping, buying, wanting. Trying to look a certain way, buy certain clothes, got to have certain labels, all that, trying to be something we already are. Amen. Huh? Amen. You can never be better than what God created you to be. Amen. Never be more than what he created you to be. I don't care how much of the devil stuff you acquire, you will never get to a higher place in living than what you understand about what God's put inside of you. Once you begin to feast on that and understand that and walk into the faith in that reality of it, then nothing really can hinder you or stop you from, a, from achieving all that God has for you. So they didn't know, they didn't allow Naomi's past to determine her identity. Instead, the people of Bethlehem continue to call her by her given name. She had sunk to such a low level living in Moab, she changed her name huh she became bitter just like all the rest of the people that lived there if you think living around immoral people is uh uh fun i got news for you they got more problems more discouragements more depression you find more depression among sinners than you do around saved people i don't care what people tell you statistics if you walk and live in your bible you will not be depressed huh You won't be if you believe what's written in there about you you won't there's nothing to be depressed about you an heir of god joint heirs with christ god's giving you all things that pertain to life and godliness if you confess your sins he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness i mean what more do you need oh you need something else okay well that's there too you need something more than just keep digging for it. You'll find it in God. Mm-hmm. But the fact that your sins are forgiven ought to make you feel like you can walk on water. Amen. Huh? <laughs> and if you sin again, you have an advocate with the Father. You're not out of the game. Huh? <laughs> She talks about, they talk about everything that Naomi has suffered, you know. Her husband's died, two sons died, daughter-in-law walked away. They say, we understand all that, but you're still Naomi. huh? You're still beautiful, you're still fruitful. He says you don't feel good, but you are good. The word Naomi means pleasant. You're not bitter, you're pleasant start believing in yourself again Naomi start breathing breath into yourself again breathing life into who you are the people of Bethlehem had already moved into their new paradigm of prosperity and they were determined to bring Naomi with them she was not going to be the downer in the town so they brought her up instead of letting her bring them down Whenever you're in a group of individuals, you have a choice. You can go the way of God and stay where God wants you, or you can listen to the devil and his people and let them bring you down. Your circumstances must never define you. You are not what you've been through. You are not what you're going through. You're the same person, no matter what your circumstances are. You may have suffered a number of life's devastating setbacks, but those setbacks are not who you are. You must purpose early in life that when you get into trouble, you won't let trouble get into you. Uh -uh, Don't let it stay inside of you. (laughs) The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9, we're hard pressed on every side but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Amen. The Bible says no matter how many times a righteous man falls down, he gets back up again. Uh So we are the indestructible people on the earth. We need to quit complaining so much as believers and start being using a prophetic voice to declare who we are and where we're going. Don't waste your time talking about how tough it is. This man, this comes from a man who bore the marks of beating, shipwreck, snake bite, betrayal. And I can almost hear him say, "Don't judge me, but what I've been through; mark me, but what I've victoriously lived through." Amen. The important word here is through. You're going through. In other words, that's not where you live. You can't camp there. You're not staying. You're going through. Amen. A man or woman whose identity is secure in the relationship they have with Jesus never needs to cower down to the ill effects of difficult circumstances. You're just going through. Second, Naomi's friends did not allow her circumstance to distort her view of God. God's always the same. He's always there to help you. He's always there to encourage you. He's always there. He is never discouraged about you. Look carefully at four statements she makes. Naomi said to Ruth and Orpha in the conversation while in Moab, The hand of the Lord has gone out against me. When returning to Bethlehem, Naomi said to her friends, The Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. Number three. Later she said, I went out full and the Lord has brought me home empty. Huh? That's shame. You know, embarrassment. Just go on in there, Naomi. Ain't nobody paying attention to you. Huh? Just hide behind one of the plants or something if you don't want to be seen. <laughs> on a later occasion, she said, The Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. Huh? Blaming God. God didn't send you down there. Your husband and took you down there. Hmm? Well, you can't blame a dead man. That's no good. She probably blamed him enough while he was alive. You know <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Gary. <laughs> it's easy to get the impression she was blaming God for her troubles. But before you get too critical of her, what have you said? What have you been through? Huh? That you may have altered or distorted your view of God. See, the longer you blame God or think you're, you don't have the power to change... The longer you get stuck there, see, people go to blaming God and they build a, a you know, a, like a sanctuary around it. You know, God just doesn't, he doesn't take care of me like he does so and so, or you know, you know that kind of stuff. God's forgotten about me. You know, uh, when you forgot about God a long time ago, you understand what I'm saying? That's usually the answer. Well, if you think he's forgotten about you, talk to him about it. I dare you (laughs) to talk to God. (laughs) Talk to him instead of about him. Mm -hmm. Talk with him instead of against him. Uh Most people who make statements like that don't have a heart set on obeying God no matter what. So you have to have a heart set on obeying God no matter what. God hasn't forgotten about you. You We usually say that when we don't have enough of things. And God's showing you. He's the God of things, but He's your God too. He's your personal God. Don't just come to Him when you want stuff. Come to Him when you feel bad toward Him. Come to Him when you think He's forgotten about you. Come to Him when you... Huh? see that's just a correction that's needed in our lives what you've been through may have altered and even distorted your view of God Even everything Naomi said was a result of a belief system that had been grossly affected by her troubles When you've got troubles, don't let troubles have you. Don't let it get incorporated into your thinking that trouble is going to last forever. Or that it's coming to you unfairly. Or it's going to be there for people. Just say this is something you're going through. And you get a chance to go through like everybody else does. You'll have your turn going through. And while you're going through, God is with you at every turn. So what are you complaining about? He said He would never leave you or forsake you, and that's all that's important. It's not. It was not so important. What you go through is who who goes through with you. Who's with you in the going through? And honey, trust me, God will strip you of all your friends, all your acquaintances, all your things, all your everything when you go through. And you got to depend totally on him. You know, we get mad at people. Wow, God was the only one I could trust. He's the only one you're supposed to trust. Be leaning on me. i got enough of my own stuff to do. Now, I can do what God tells me to do for you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying. But I'm limited. He's going to let you know I'm limited. Job's wife must have felt the same way when she challenged her husband by saying curse God and die. Mm -hmm. I've heard some really good sermons that take Job's wife to task and she should have been. Some would preach about her lack of faith. I mean you don't say that to people. I mean even though there's a reason for it. I get sick of people excusing sin and bad behavior because they want to understand it. You don't have to understand sin. Just do the right thing. Some knowledgeable authors and speakers have referred to her as an accomplice of Satan. And she was. Job said she was. He called her a witch. See, it's a supreme test of God when you can obey God rather than a spouse. Uh, rather than somebody you dearly love. And that was one of Job's tests he had to go through. Well, Job wouldn't, Satan set it up. He told, God said, take everything, but just don't touch his life. So he had to put animosity between Job and his wife. Yeah, y'all to get it sometime. I don't care. Whatever. You don't think you won't get tested on your relationship with me? See, the problem is some of us to do too much to stay with somebody rather than trusting God in that relationship. And I've been married before. I know what it's like between a husband and a wife. You know what I'm saying? But at some point, God is going to say, ah, whack that in half. It's okay, what you going to do now? Are you going to trust me and believe me? Huh? Or are you going to sit up there and try to schmooze and appease and there's a difference between serving and compromise. Don't get it, don't get it twisted. You know I mean? You're supposed to serve one another, submit to one another in love, submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. But you are not to compromise what God tells you to do in order to stay with somebody. And God will call you on it every single time. She had lost some things. Her troubles had altered her perspective. We're on page 100. She had lost the same home and security Job lost. No longer could she claim her place in society. But what's more, her, imp- her children, ten of them, had been killed. We're talking about Job's wife. But she, to me, needed to find her own peace with God. Get up off your husband. And get on your knees. See a good wife would not be telling her husband to curse God and die. She'd be interceding for him that he hold on to the Lord. Because if he curses God and dies he's probably going to take you with him. See how the devil's thoughts will make you lose sight of what's really important. Huh? Huh? With every recollection of those ten children, the view of Job's wife was altered a little more. Well, you don't know that. You just assume that because you're looking on the human side. But if you look on the spiritual side, look at what women like uh, Abigail, (laughs) Naboth's wife did, Nabal's wife. Huh? When the going got tough, she dug down deeper. She never left that crazy man. She never talked bad in front of the servants about him. She dug down in there and did what she needed to do to keep living. Yes. Yes. You do what you need to do in God to stay alive. Yes. Huh? When it came to the, everybody in that place getting murdered, she decided to intercede on behalf of her husband who was wrong yes. and crazy and was wrong all the time. Yes. Huh? And then God killed him.
1: <laughs>
0: let's, do, let's do 15.
1: <laughs> you
0: know what I'm saying? Sometimes you don't need to do anything but be cool. The king's coming. You just be cool until the king gets here. You got me? <laughs> Nowadays, God don't kill people. He saves them. You know, he'll bring them into the kingdom. But I did put that out there for some of us who just like <laughs> A little sizzle. <laughs> you like that, Howard? You felt that sizzle. We just want to get a little sizzle. Huh? You must gain a new perspective by climbing into a higher vantage point. If you think you want to curse God and die, you think it can't get any worse, it can. Trust me, it can. So you need to start reversing it now. Understand who you are. Understand who God is. You can still call on him. You can still pray. You can still uh, make... offerings you can still do be obedient you can still don't ever sat don't ever uh, settle for halfway obedience because you're mad at god don't withhold anything from god because you think he's not going to bless you anyway always give 100 percent. that's what he's looking for the reason you stuck where you are is you're not a hundred percent giver Always got to withhold a little bit because you ain't sure if God's going to come through for you. Well, he won't if you keep doing that. You must gain a new perspective by climbing to a higher vantage point. In other words, start seeing things the way God sees it. That's your problem. You're looking too low, living too low, thinking too low. God's promises to us found in Isaiah 46.10 is that he makes known the end from the beginning. So he knows where you're going to end up before you even start. How can that be? It's because from where he sits on his throne, he maintains a vantage point that allows him to see everything. And he'll take you up there too. So you can see where you're going. You're not serving him blindly. You're not serving him for no reason he'll show you what's for you you just gotta believe it if you don't hold on to what God has for you you'll start looking around on the low level and start coveting what you see huh? so that's why he wants you up on a higher plane with him so you can be seated in heavenly places and see what he has for you and start going after it People always get distracted. You're on the road to where God wants you to go and all of a sudden some comes up and takes your attention away from it. And you start following after that. Well stay on where God has you. Whatever the words of Job's wife did or didn't do for her husband Job used them as a catalyst to regain his own determination. See the devil can work for you sometimes. You get mad enough at him, you'll get up off your bed of affliction. Job refused to yield to his wife's distorted view. And in so many words said, if I can curse God and die, I can bless God and live. You know, we've all heard that. (laughs) A renewed view from a vantage point of faith goes a long way to cure a bad case of paradigm paralysis. You're stuck in your old level of living, old manner of thinking. God's letting things get worse to get your attention. Yeah. That you need to change. Yeah. huh? Yeah. You know, people say, I'm right back where I started from. And then it gets worse. <laughs> what you going to say now? Right. Right. <laughs> Amen. Huh? Amen. You can always holler out for God. Yeah. God, it's got worse. I thought it was bad already. it not got worse. Hallelujah. Huh? he'll let you get busted back down to worse than where you started from getting your attention hey make some changes hey start sticking with me get rid of your old bad attitude about me like i've left you i've forgotten you i'm not treating you right stop that huh start being thankful act like you're thankful get rid of your haughty attitude get rid of your attitude of you deserve more The third principle leading to Naomi's recovery is seen in how her friends refuse to allow an old paradigm to devalue her potential. And that's really what's happening. Our old way of thinking, because we hold on to it, devalues our potential. Hmm? You don't see yourself as going where God told you you were going to go 10 years ago. You don't see yourself. Is having the same potential in his promises as you did 10, 15 years ago. You don't see yourself that way. Because of what you've been through. By her own admission, she returned to Bethlehem empty. You know, in a way, that's good. Because if you've gotten rid of everything you've been holding on to, you're in a pretty good position. Because you can't lose nothing now. <laughs> nothing to lose. Huh? In her estimation, she had nothing to show for the 10 years she'd spent in Moab, but that's not entirely true. Actually, Naomi was burdened with more emotional baggage than she would ever have been able to unpack. So your emotional baggage is really what God wants you to let go of. And you're holding on to it, confessing it, thinking that it's the end of the road for you. And it's really not. Or every day you're scrambling to hold on to your nothingness. There's a need to let it go. Let it go. Let it go. You understand what I'm saying. Just drop it. Cut the shenanigans. Her speech revealed her bitterness and some of her decisions displayed her hurt. Everywhere you look, it's easy to see the extreme cost of Naomi's 10-year journey. Yet the fact she came back with someone, see, this is the purpose sometimes of your experiences. If there's some fruit, Naomi must have stayed faithful to God some way because there's fruit to prove that. There's little Ruth following her around. Amen. Devoted. Amen. And Naomi's probably looked back at her sometimes and say, you know, you remind me of me when I was... You understand what I'm saying? Huh? That's why God gives you children. You can look back at them and see hope and promise huh? and a future. And it will motivate you to keep going if you can get in your right mind. Everywhere you look, it's easy to see the extreme cost of her 10-year journey. She came back with someone of character, integrity, and beauty in her daughter-in-law, Ruth. It speaks volumes about the faint light of potential that still shined in Naomi's life. You can't always help getting into trouble. Trouble comes to us because, according to the Bible, it is there for everybody. It's going to rain on the just and the unjust. You can count on it. It wasn't entirely Naomi's choice to go to Moab. She was taken there by a discouraged husband. While you can't always avoid getting into Moab, you do have a say about what you take away from there. Stuff will accumulate and attach itself as you journey through your own Moab. Difficult times. In Naomi's case, Orpha and Ruth attached themselves to her for a while. However, at the crossroads of choice and destiny, Naomi maintained the ability to allow uh, the right one to leave and the right one to stay. You have to put it to a hard test. God, I'm willing to walk away from all of this if it was a big mistake I made in my life. God, if my husband never comes back, I'm still going to serve you. I, I've been there. I mean, and mine didn't go nowhere. I mean, he went. But you know what I'm saying. If we never get along, if I never, he never gets to be a good husband to me, I'm staying with you, God. Huh? <laughs> If I shouldn't have married him. You understand me what I'm saying? I'm staying with you, God. You show me. You got me? You gotta be honest, folks. You thinking it anyway, you just scared to say it. Don't be scared to say it. God knows that's what's in there. Get it on out there where y'all, let it go, let it go. Let it.
1: Well, whatever.
0: Wrong. <laughs> well, I thought I was at uh, the voice for a minute. Y'all turn around. (laughs) You probably stay turn around and say, next. (laughs) Wow, It's true. The fourth principle demonstrated by the citizens of Bethlehem would have been the most important because they refused to permit Naomi's circumstances to destroy her role in messianic destiny. When you give people the word, when you encourage them with God, You are allowing them to experience their destiny in God. In Jesus Christ. And that is so important. I look at people sometimes and I know they're blinded to their potential in God. And I say, God, if they only knew. If they only understood where they can go in you. Huh? When I was younger in the Lord, I was doing things by faith. But God's taught me how to evaluate people not by how they treat me see that will blind you every single time or how much they give or how often they come to church or all of the things that we look at sometimes to look at worth in a person But I've been allowed to see potential in people in God. And I've been able to learn how to respond more to their potential than their current condition. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if I preach to you or I correct you, it's because I'm trying to get you to see the great potential that you have in God. If you'll follow his laws, there's a price to getting it out of you. Huh? And the more you wiggle and squirm and try to get out of obedience to God, the harder it gets for you to live in your potential. And that's where Naomi was. She didn't feel she had any potential because of circumstances and things that she didn't have. Don't you dare let circumstances or things separate you from your potential in God. Well, somebody understands it. you got to understand this, folks. When we go through things, God is separating us from emotion. He's separating us from our flesh. He's separating us from baggage, from everything that will hold us down to free us up to recognize our true potential in him. You realize your potential has to do with more than whether or not you get a big paycheck and a raise? It has much more to do with than just things. Yet we get mad at people because they don't pay attention to us. We get mad at God about things. We get mad about material that we didn't bring in. We can't take with us, but we're going to let that separate us from the love of God and never recognize our potential. Your potential is totally spiritual. It has nothing to do with natural circumstances. And God is developing. He's putting you through fire to burn away distractions, the flesh, fleshly desires, lust, covetousness, all the junk that we still have hanging on us. Can't move forward from being dragged down by what we don't have and say we got to have it to be happy. We ought to be ashamed. The return of Naomi to Bethlehem was was about more. You're here in this ministry is about more than just getting a good confession so you can get what you want out of God. Jeez. Man. We don't know that by now. Always distracted us. Something shiny, something with a note to it. We run off after it like it's the best thing in the world. And leave Jesus far behind. He don't have no note attached to him. He don't have no payments attached to him. He don't have no status attached to him. You follow him, it might be a difficult road for you, but you're going to get the best life possible. God wanted Ruth in Bethlehem and Naomi was the agent he used to get her there. Naomi, this ain't about you this time. It's about little Ruth. It's following you around everywhere. The beautiful story of Ruth culminates in her marriage to Boaz and the birth of a child named Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. Got me. <laughs> Ruth was the great grandmother of David, whose throne and kingdom were established by God himself. You see, God didn't let famine cheat Naomi's husband out of his posterity. Yes. Huh? Yes. 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 Nor did, did God allow it to cheat those boys, his sons, out of their earthly inheritance Amen. and their place in the line of David. Amen. Because Ruth never would have been introduced into that line had they, had she not been married to one of those sons. See what I'm saying? And so God knows what He's doing. He knows, He's waiting on us to wake up to something more in life than just what we can see. Huh? What we can eat, wear, and drink. Jesus says, ain't your life about more than that? Sometimes we think, well, really? <laughs> but you find out. Yeah. It's about more than that. Naomi shared that destiny because of her role in bringing Ruth to Bethlehem. At Obed's birth, Naomi became the caregiver to a child and in essence a dynasty, a generation that was prophetically aligned with the promises of the coming Messiah. How tragic it would have been if Naomi's destiny had been aborted before she came to Moab. But more so had she arrived in Bethlehem only to have her destiny paralyzed by past grief. You cannot go into your future living in your past. The proclamation of Naomi's friends testifies of the unfolding plan of God in her life. Holding baby Obed in her arms, Naomi's friends entered her house with this declaration. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a near kinsman. That's what she went back for, to get her inheritance. She went back to get her inheritance. And may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. Whatever you need as you get older, God will send people into your life situations, work, calling, ministry to nourish you. Huh? He will. You got to let him. We got to stop chasing other things chasing old stuff chasing crazy ideas and start recognizing who we are the things you want to nourish you in your old life may not be what god's ordained for you to be nourished by just a thought same thing with your life where it is now what you're looking at that's going to make you happy is not what god's ordained for you I know it's a shock, but stay with me. It gets better. The woman who earlier had confessed that life was over and little remained to live for experienced a resurrection of purpose. Look at it. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. New life begets new life. The neighbor woman living there said, Naomi has a son. In an instant, Naomi was translated into a paradigm of purpose. The moment Naomi embraced her calling, the rest of her life took on new meaning. How about you? (laughs) Have you embraced your purpose or are you still tightly holding on to memories of bitter history? And desiring old things that maybe God never ordained for you? Huh? Some of the stuff we want, really, if God gave them to us, we'd be guilty of theft. I mean, think about it, spiritually speaking, because it ain't for you. If it ain't for you, he's not going to give it to you. If he did, you'd be a thief. She was translated into a paradigm of purpose. The moment Naomi embraced her calling, the rest of her life took on new meaning. Have you embraced the purpose that God has for you fully? We want little pieces of it. See, what we do is is we portion it out to God. Well, if I go to church and do a little job in church, I'm, I'm okay with God. Don't bank on it. Don't bank on it. See, that's what you want to give. What God's got in mind is something totally different, huh? Seriously. You know, people think success is numbers. If they looked at us, they'd say, "What are you doing that for?" Huh? But God called me, man didn't call me. See, God takes foolish things to confound wise people listen i'm here because i'm promised to be instrumental in the move of god i don't know why y'all are here but th- that's why i'm here huh i'm here for other people to experience the glory of god and the power of god huh and i don't call the shots and i don't tell who to come when to come i'm just here doing what god told me to do it's up to him to bring the increase you understand it's, quit sweating it folks and you know, other people with, with churches full of people that's so carnal, I couldn't even stay in there. Y'all don't want to be bothered with that. I'd rather have a few faithful people who are willing to pray and willing to do what God has ordained us to do than have a house full of people that's. You know, I was in a meeting one time with a, a very prominent uh, prophet who was a pastor. And the church was a beautiful church, you know, two levels, had a big balcony and everything. And he had two or three hundred people up there the fastest growing church and so and so but I got embarrassed I just left up in the balcony for what was going on up there yes. Amen. you put young kids somewhere where they carnal and don't know God and see what they do yes. when they sit there yes. for an hour, half hour Amen. Yeah. Amen. no, I'd rather have holy people who really want to pray really love God you understand what i'm saying if you can't get them saved no better than that Amen. but your destiny is still in place god's always called us and he never quits calling us to his purpose never occasionally there will be detours and adjustments in the journey plans are sometimes altered but purpose remains the purpose for which god called you to his glory is still the same your purpose is still the same it's more than just waiting from week to week paycheck to paycheck thing to thing you've got to find what you're really here for why is his power in you why is his word in you why is he calling you to prayer why is he why are you connected here what is what is the purpose and you need to find that And it's not hard to find. It starts with being content where you are. Quit wanting so much stuff. Learn how to be content. You'll arrive at your destined place. You'll get there. But you can't get there with baggage, regrets, bad attitude, angry, upset. You'll have to learn how to be content. Once you learn that, you'll realize stuff is not a problem for God. You'll feel stupid. You say, you mean I've been struggling all these years and all I had to do was make that one decision to stop wanting so much and being angry about what I don't have. Huh? I remember when I quit being angry at my husband for not being saved. I know it's a shock to people, but you can get angry at people for not... He ain't spiritual like I am. You know, I'm gonna kill him, you know, by midnight. Amen. There, amen. He don't pray the prayer It's over. Amen. Why sit me here until we oh. die? Uh-oh. Gonna be moving on. Amen. Ain't going nowhere, but I'm threatening like everything.
1: Amen.
0: And I remember Sandy Brown gave a testimony. She said, yeah, when I started preaching and Dean didn't preach, I was listening to all my holy girlfriends. I would get you in trouble. See, you don't ever go down to a low level. She said, and I remember we were arguing about something I felt he should have done in a meeting. And I pulled a butcher knife on him. She <laughs> said, and it was then I realized, God... <laughs> I'm on a wrong road here. Straighten me out. Left Dean alone, and she realized what he was in her life for. Got me, and started being content there. We can discontent ourselves to a, an ungodly. <laughs> level. Amen. We can discontent ourselves to an ungodly level. Amen. We have to learn how where you are is where God put you. As far as what you're believing and what you're expecting is concerned. And many times we plug up our wells of expectation with false things, past disappointments, bitterness. We're a victim. We didn't, we didn't choose this, it cho- chose us. Well, God's here with you in it. huh? I don't care where you are, he's right here with you in it. He has never left you. See, we're looking for something else when God is right here. He's your biggest help. He's your greatest fan. He's the one who will never leave you or forsake you. Huh? He won't turn you down. He's always speaking to you. He's never, you know, not talking. You know how people get. And he's speaking right now. Huh? <laughs> or speaking at a distance. Huh? So we need to appreciate that. Amen. And appreciate Who you are really. You're not things. You're you. You're more than the sum of what you've been through. More than the sum of where you think you're going. And more than the sum of things that you want out of this life. Amen. You're headed for divine destiny. You have a divine destiny. While you're walking here on this material realm, you still have a divine destiny. Appreciate that. And understand that God has called you to much more than what you even desire. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for allowing us into your throne of grace. We have found mercy. We have found grace to help us in our time of need. And boy, do we need you. We need you, Lord. Need you more than ever. Let us renounce things that we think we need, Father. Let's just renounce that. You know, just within you. Just say, God, you know what? I've been struggling so hard to get things. I'm going to stop it. Stop it. Stop it. And look up to divine destiny. Nobody but you and the Lord. He's the only one you have to please. So focus on him and understand that that's okay with God. Amen. You're okay with him. Just love him and expect him to help you. Do what he, Be what he wants you to be for a change. That'll take a load off. Amen. 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 Father we thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. That we can let go of all these burdens. From a life of carnality. From the things we desire on the earth realm. It's heavy. It's too heavy. It's breaking us causing us very much pain lord very much pain very much discomfort father i thank you that many of the discomforts that we have are not physical but they're afflictions of our soul i ask you lord to release your people from these burdens let them live a light and easy yoke in jesus name amen and praise god amen Well, the anointing's coming in. See, God heard that. Quit hiding from him. Just let him work his work in you. That was a good prayer. Now you receive it. Let go of all your junk. Pretending. And hyping yourself up when you're around people. Show them off who you are. Stop it. Just be normal. Be who God's called you to be. Relax. Jesus has paid for everything. Just rest in it. Let God have his way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for helping us, Lord. Giving us the help we didn't even think we needed. But you had it planned for us today anyway. Now I thank you that that spirit that's releasing burdens, that anointing will follow us. Even to where we're going toward the end of the day, it will still be upon us, working on us, working with us to help us get freed up from the burdens of everyday life. So we thank you for it, Lord, and we bless you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen.
1: Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Amen.